You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Kudlak and I'm one of your hosts for today's podcast and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hi there. So excited that we are on for another episode this week and we have a really great treat for everyone that's listening live today. So uh, I can't wait to, to introduce. Well, it's it's National Nurses Week, um, and we're excited to welcome this week a burn nurse um, who is also a burn survivor on the podcast today. Uh, so I'm going to have Rachel come on and introduce her. But before we do, we want to send a special thank you to one of our partners. So Rachel, do you want to go ahead and, and get started? Yeah. Yeah. So we just want to give a quick shout out to one of our Phoenix partners, Malincrop Pharmaceuticals. Malincrop provides medicines to address unmet patient needs and helps improve people's lives. They also released their Focused on Burn, which was created to help continue advancing burn care based on input from healthcare professionals. So you can learn more about that at focusedonburn.com. And we'll also have that linked in our show's description. But without further ado, um, let me introduce today's guest, Brianna Blackwell. Um, She is a childhood burn survivor who has gleaned passion and purpose from adversity. Her tragedy at the age of three years old has turned into triumph in a life of service. Brianna graduated with honors from Western Michigan University with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Her servant heart led her to travel to Africa twice to volunteer in a variety of healthcare settings. She currently works as a registered nurse at Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis, Indiana, working in Indiana's only verified adult burn center. With a special focus in holistics and psychosocial concepts, Brianna continues to work in many capacities to advocate for burn survivors. And outside of the healthcare world, Brianna is a former four-time national championship and two-time member of Team USA for the sport of baton twirling. She currently serves as the president of the Indiana Baton Twirling Association, hoping to propel the sport into the next generation. So thank you so much, Brianna, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks for for your willingness to kind of join us live today. Um, You are a very familiar face in the burn community, um, but for those that don't know your journey, um, would you mind sharing us a little bit more about your burn story and kind of how how that began? Absolutely. So I grew up on a farm in Indiana, Uh, lots of cows, lots of animals, lots of crops. And when I was three years old, it happened to be August and we were going through a drought. So on our farm, most of our water source came from the creek that went through our land. And with the drought, it happened to be completely dry. So my father wanted to kind of get creative to try and get our animals water. So he found some old oil drums, which I've always described to people who might not know what those are, is if you picture kind of like a soup can times 100. Um, That's how big they can be. And he wanted to cut those, use them as water tanks. But what he didn't know at the time is they used 
to be used as gas storage. So uh, my brother and I did everything with my dad at that age. So we wanted to just go out and watch him work. So we watched him work on the tanks that day. And when he lit the torch to begin cutting them to create the tanks, there was fumes inside of that tank that ignited and caused an explosion. Luckily, my brother knew that he was old enough to run away and I just did not. So I actually got stuck inside that explosion which ended up causing third-degree burns to 60% of my body that I then went through all my treatment for. Yeah, and I mean, I am also a childhood burn survivor. I was also burned at the age of three, so I'm sure we have some similar experiences. But can you just talk a little bit about, you know, growing up as a burn survivor and just even, you know, three, you don't probably remember much um, even before that injury. So what it's been like kind of living your life and growing up as a, as a burn survivor? I think being a childhood burn survivor, being a burn survivor in general is a very hard, traumatic, emotionally draining process. But being a child burn survivor is a very specific one with unique challenges. Like you mentioned, being three years old, you might not remember much when you actually go through the process of memories. And when we start to form our memories around the age of two to three years old is when those actually start. So I think if I look back, I might have one memory before my accident, and it's very brief. And then since then, really, most of my life, all I remember is starting at my accident from the hospital and moving on. So I don't really have any of that before. Um, the before story, the before picture of what my life was before my accident, this is just all I've grown up as. I've just always been brief. I've always been a burn survivor. So that um, is definitely a different perspective I have with my story than some other survivors might have. With being a childhood burn survivor too, with this being all I've known, I've just grown into my skin this way. I've really never known the difference of not necessarily feeling tight in certain areas or working through certain things. It's, it's all I've known. So having that sometimes I think can be a blessing, just knowing that this is what I have to work with and this is where I'm gonna go rather than having that before and after. But growing up, I think it also provided a unique challenge of trying to figure out who you are too because mm -hmm. you're you're a kid you don't really have those life experiences so everything you are learning about yourself and going through is through that survivor perspective with the challenges and potential bullying and things that come along with mm -hmm. that so discovering who you are is also very difficult when you really didn't know who you were to begin with yeah. Yeah. And I, I can relate to all of that. And, you know, I think, like you said, childhood burn survivors, we do have a unique set of challenges, but I do find it a blessing that I just, this is all I've known my entire life. I've always been a burn survivor. I've never known what I look like without my burns. So I think that, you know, that hurdle that maybe adult burn survivors face or even, you know, teenage burn survivors face, we don't necessarily have to go through but then at the same time you do have your bullying going through school and you know kids don't know how to react to something that's different um so it's definitely there's pros and cons um to being a childhood burn survivor for sure absolutely yeah well great so i heard rachel said you were a competitive baton twirler um, how did that come to be that you became interested in baton twirling? Yeah, actually it was because of my accident. So while I was being treated in the hospital and we kind of had that timeline change of is Brie going to survive to how is Brie going to live her life? When I made that turn, 
the doctors started talking to my parents about, you know, maybe as she grows up, you know, she is a kid, we can put her in some type of activity that will help with flexibility, that can help her move. So it's almost acting mm -hmm. as therapy, but I'm not constantly going to the hospital dreading therapy, dreading the the sessions and the pain that comes along for that. I can almost be built in and something that I would really enjoy and want to go to. So they um, suggested dance classes and things like that. And my mom actually used to be a baton twirler when she was in high school. And so that's when that thought kind of came back. So she enrolled me in classes and it started as a way for me to just stretch every day. Um, if you aren't aware of what baton twirling is. It's very similar to color guard, but you have about a 30 inch piece of metal that's kind of like a stick. And there's a lot of fine motor movements with that. There's a lot of um, stretching, dance skills, gymnastic skills, a lot of work with your hands. So it, it was perfect for me. And it started as a therapy and more of a recreational activity. And as I grew up, I stuck with it and I fell in love with it. And then I went more competitive with it and just took it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny to hear you say that too, because I did the same thing. I did gymnastics. I didn't fall quite in love with it as you did with baton <laughs> turling. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, that same idea of like how, and this is for children or adults. I mean, obviously always talk to your doctor and your healthcare team, but maybe there are fun ways that you can get that therapy in without necessarily going to a PT and going through the motions with them, but whether it's gymnastics, baton twirling, just stretching yoga. I know yeah. Amber loves yoga and that's helped her on her journey. Um, so there are other ways to, you know, get some of that relief in, but I wanted to ask you too. So you, I, I believe you have scars on your hands, correct? How did, did those, you know, affect the baton twirling or was that just a really an aid in your journey and that relief? You know, I think that's a great question that sometimes people don't think to ask, but it did. Um, I had to do a lot of thinking outside the box with my coaches growing up of there is this specific move. This is normally how it's taught, but my fingers or my arm won't stretch a certain way. So how can we adapt this move to work for me, but also still work for obviously what the judges are looking for in the techno, the technical spot of the skill. So it was very difficult. Another thing I didn't realize for a long time because of twirling. So just the way my skin felt with the stretching and everything, a lot of times childhood burn survivors might have to have certain grafting or release surgeries almost every year as they grow up because their skin doesn't necessarily grow with them as someone who wasn't burned one. And my, the last surgery I had um, relatively close to my recovery was when I was in second grade. And with the ways baton twirling and dance helped the flexibility of my skin and stretch it, I didn't need another surgery until I was in 10th grade in high school. Wow. So it was almost a decade later. And with that, you know, I was still twirling at the time. So I was dealing with a lot of restriction I felt in my arms with some of the movements. And the second I had that surgery and I went through my recovery and then I went back into training, it was a huge night and day difference for the way my skin felt. And I was no longer restricted to do some of those moves, to, to, to some of those movements. And I think sometimes until you know what that difference is, you're mm. never going to know what your body is restricting you of doing and what you might be capable of. Because I think burn survivors, we just grow to adapt. Some ways mm. that's positive and some ways that's negative. And I really mm -hmm. learned in that moment that my body was adapting almost negatively, just coping with some of those contractures and tightness that I just thought was normal for me. But the second I chose to go and have that release surgery, 
I was open to a whole new way my body could felt that I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because we hear, <clears throat> I have friends, right, that are in support group with us that have shared just that, like, and, and some that are years and years, like, much older now and have gone years of just dealing with contractures and things the way they were. But once you have that surgery, like making that decision, sometimes you don't even think about it. I think of like, oh, this would make so much sense to make me feel better. And so um, I've heard that before. I know we have a, a survivor in chat who many, many years after his injury went and got the like <laughs> release surgery and then was like a different person because his arms could lift and, yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, it's difficult. I know for me, and maybe this was a part of my story. Maybe it goes into some others as well, but I almost felt guilty to go back and say, you know, I, I need this. I almost felt like, you know, with my stretching and things that I, not that I could control what my skin did, but in a way I felt like I could, like if I stretched every day, I could get to a point where, you know, I wouldn't need surgeries anymore. I wouldn't need outside help. I just wanted to get to a spot on my own. So I think that kind of held me back for a little bit too, where it's like I had to be able to overcome that and be like, you know, it's okay for me to go back and still get help. It's okay to need a surgery if I, if I feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I grew up in a world that I, I didn't have any other burn survivors around me or anything like that. So that also might've come into play when I didn't necessarily have someone to lean on or talk to if this was normal. So you just never know um, what circumstance someone might be in and what might be limiting them to go back to a hospital and say, you know, I think this might help or, or have that conversation. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, technology is constantly changing. I mean, even thinking, when we were burned as kids, what the procedures are like in today's world. And Amber, even for you just a few years ago, technology is just constantly changing. So maybe if you are someone who's further out from your injury and is considering going back, it doesn't hurt to schedule an appointment and just see what options there are, because there may be brand new options that weren't there even a few years ago. Mm, Absolutely. So you went on to twirl for Team USA. And, um, that's really impressive. I, I didn't know that myself <laughs> until Rachel just said that, but, um, how did you feel when you get that invite and what would you have thought, you know, or would you have thought when you first started to do this as kind of your therapy that you'd be able to compete for team, US, team USA? Yeah, it was never my goal. Actually, my family and my coaches joke about this all the time, but in the state of Indiana, there's always a state fair contest where um, if you win that championship, you just get this beautiful red banner. And in the grand scheme of things, looking back at that, uh, looking back at now that competition doesn't, you know, get you anywhere or mean anything. But when I was a kid, I just wanted that red banner. And then when that was done, my coach said, you know, what's next? And I said, what do you mean what's next? I got my banner. I'm good. And I was like eight years old. So um, to me, that's all I wanted. And so with every experience, just came just something so new and exciting. I think that was a blessing for me because I never really knew what my expectation was going to be. And I think that also came with being a burn survivor in the sport because I was going through my own journey of learning how to adapt with my own body in this sport, walking into a gym every single day with my hair completely up, similar to gymnastics. Um, In my accident, I lost my right ear, so my ear is completely exposed. Uh, We wear tight leotards, so pretty much every scar on my arm and my legs is also exposed. It's a very hard 
thing to do to just walk in wearing and bearing your entire self to strangers and to people you don't even know and then being judged on what you're doing on the floor. So going through that, I think I was just trying to do my best. And then as I progressed in the sport and I advanced and I was an elite twirler, I really wanted to use twirling as a platform to show people, you know, when I walk in the gym, you might not know what I look like, what happened to me, you might be having questions. But the second I started twirling, that went away. People just respected me for the skill I had and what I could bring to the table. And that really helped me identify who I was, not only as a survivor, but a baton twirler and ultimately myself. So by the time I reached the level of competition, when I was going to represent Team USA and going abroad overseas, it was just such an enlightening moment to be able to represent myself in my hometown and the entire USA, but also to be like, I am probably the only burn survivor that I know of who's ever twirled, let alone could represent this on an international level. And at that point, I didn't care about any placement or anything. I just wanted to twirl and to have that experience. And it was an incredible time. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, It's so funny to hear you say how you went from just wanting that red banner and then look what happened. You were on Team USA. That's an awesome accomplishment. So would you say that baton twirling really helped shape, you know, your confidence and even just, like we said, growing up as a burn survivor? Did it really help shape your journey? It did. Um, Between competitions and traveling to competitions and At the time when I started to get more advanced, I actually traveled for lessons. I grew up in Indiana, but I started going to Michigan for my coach. It started forcing me, if I wanted to continue to be in the sport, in situations, in the public eye, right in front of people I've never met before, and how to deal with those experiences. So I had to work on my social skills a lot quicker. I had to become a lot more confident in myself because if... If I didn't know who I was and I didn't believe in myself when I met someone, how how were they going to believe in me? So putting me in those types of situations quickly um, as a child and growing up as a young adult, I think really helped me find my confidence and establish myself as a twirler, as a burden survivor, and ultimately who I wanted to be is just Brie. Love that. Yeah, well, switching gears a little bit, as we shared in the introduction, it is National Nurses Week. So, Brie, we do just want to say thank you for being a burn nurse and thank, just send a quick thank you to all of the nurses in the world, all of the burn care professionals, the healthcare teams. You know, we couldn't be here. All of us, the three of us, couldn't be here if it wasn't for our nurses and our doctors and our care teams. So, you know, we thank you for your dedication, your compassion, your love when we need it. Um, so Brie, I would just love to know, you know, what made you interested in nursing and why did you yeah, want to become a burn nurse? Yeah. Um, as I was growing up, probably when I was in high school, you know, they're always like, you have to start prepping for college and what do you want to be? And if you want to be successful in your first year of college, you need to take these college credit classes now as a sophomore and yada, yada, yada. So especially now, I feel like that gets pushed a lot. Um, So I just felt like I wanted to try and figure out at that point where I was going. You know, was it a science field? Was it um, more of a blue collar field? Like what, what was I going to do? And when I started thinking about what I enjoyed and how I became who I was, I was really taken aback to when I was in the hospital, um, when I was thinking through my own story, it was the nurses who took care of me from the start, 
who had always made me feel 100% okay to be myself. They were the ones that said, you know, just because this happened to you doesn't mean you can't do amazing things or go play or do whatever you wanted. They were the ones that really made me feel like there was nothing wrong with me. And I wanted to be able to instill that in other people. So once I kind of knew that um, they were what inspired me, I kind of started thinking, I was like, hey, you know, maybe nursing's not that bad. And I started taking my anatomy classes and things like that. And I discovered that I loved it. So that just kind of took off and, and went from there that I chose nursing. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely awesome to have you as, you know, a nurse and be able to have you on the show today because I know I um, have so much admiration for the nurses that took care of me. Um, but in your bio, you also shared that you went to Africa twice, which is a dream of mine. I've always wanted to go to Africa. Um, and you volunteered in the healthcare settings. Do you want to tell us a little bit more, more about that and kind of how that came to be and um, yeah. what inspired you? Yeah, so my journey with Africa started in college when I was um, in, at this point, I think it was, I was applying to the nursing program. I was pre-nursing and my first experience with it, it was a study abroad trip to South Africa and it was a look at healthcare through uh, public and private sectors because their healthcare is set up very different than what we have in the USA. So on this trip, I got accepted, I was able to go and we went to multiple different settings from um, out in the African bush with a traditional healer sitting there learning about their practice practices, um, how their medicine started from roots and things like that, to public clinics, which I think sometimes are probably the impression you think about if you would hear what healthcare might be like in Africa, all the way to more private hospitals, which are a little bit more advanced and more modern for what we might have here. And to look at that and basically see, depending on what situations you have in your life, where you might live, what type of health care you'll receive, and therefore, depending on the situation, where your life could go, depending on what happens to you and things like that. And my most memorable experience was I actually got to see a burn center in Africa and seeing <clears throat> what things were like over there with them working so hard and doing the best that they can with everything they had in comparison just to the burn centers we have here. And really the only difference was funding and modern medicine. And to be able to just know, I think the biggest impact that it had on me was I stood in that burn center and I just thought about my own accident. And I said, you know, if the exact same story, the exact same circumstance happened to me, but rather than being in Indiana, I was here in South Africa, I would have died. Just because there was not the same amount of opportunity and resources available and that hit me so hard just knowing that a hundred percent just out of chance of where you're born and what your circumstances are can completely change an outcome and what someone's life could be really hit me and really started to inspire a lot of the work that i've done for advocacy and different program management and things just to get more resources out there mm -hmm. Yeah, that, and unfortunately, we know that burn injuries, a uh, higher rate happens in lower income and poverty areas. And even to get those folks, even in the United States, to a verified burn center is even a struggle here. Mm -hmm. So I can I can only imagine, you know, just walking in for you, walking in to, you know, that burn unit. And, and yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about the different levels of healthcare and needs yeah. and what, it can, it can be, 
it can be crazy, but the biggest takeaway I had from that too is most every single person I met over there was the kindest, most hopeful, joyous soul. And that really restored um, my faith in humanity and just knowing that there's good people everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, I love that. Well, it sounds like so that moment, just seeing that burn center um, was impactful. But I wanted to ask too, was there um, a certain nurse or did you have anyone on your care team that maybe had a very, I guess, helped shape your recovery? I know for me, looking back, there's a few nurses that I can definitely remember. And just just sometimes that someone has a special, I don't know, spark that can really help shape your recovery. Yeah. Um, a lot of memories for me came back through photos that my parents shared as I grew up. I would always kind of have shadow memories of certain nurses, but just mm -hmm. between the medications I'm sure I was on and being so young, sometimes names and certain specific events would slip my mind. But having those photos, which I know at the time was, I'm sure, very hard for my parents to take and to keep a record of, especially with how tragic everything was. But having that growing up, being able to put faces to memories and different things together for my own story. Cause I think that happens a lot of times, depending on your age or childhood burn survivors too, you're missing a lot of the pieces. There's a lot of holes you don't remember or you can't understand because of your age. So having that growing up was really nice to fill in my gaps. But through that, um, the second I saw one of my nurses faces, everything came back everything came back of just the gentleness I always felt around her, her kindness and, and everything like that. And one of my favorite things, um, they had a toy chest that if you successfully got through your dressing change or you <laughs> did this with therapy, you got to go to the toy chest and pick a toy out that day. And my favorite thing at the time was Polly Pockets. So I just <laughs> always remember going there and trying to dig out every single Polly Pocket there was. I love that. That's awesome. I love that they have that as well so that's really cool um, hey that could also work for adults not just I was like yeah I, I would have loved that like go pick out a toy or a piece of candy I would have been like done uh, <laughs> so as a burn nurse I'm sure you get lots of questions all the time and I, I do, do know um, we're taking questions here today so if anyone out there is listening and has one um, but what are some of the common questions that you get um surrounding like so you know survivors and burn care like i'm sure you get a ton um but i'm sure there's some common ones that you have in your pocket too yeah um something just i always do is it's very evident that i'm a survivor with my scars so um everyone's journey is very personal so i don't necessarily go in a room and i shove it in their face that you know hey i'm a survivor too like what do you have to talk about Normally it comes up very naturally in conversation or, you know, I'm taking their temperature and they go, oh, so I, I see you have like the scars. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And then it kind of naturally opens up. And from that, there's an instant connection that seems to happen. And there's almost this piece you can see go over a lot of patients' faces of just like, wow, you've, you've been through it too. And just seeing that you're on the other side of it. Um, in that moment, a lot of questions come up of, you know, what what will my scars look like in years to come, which is kind of easy for me to show them. I'm like, <laughs> this is an example. It looks different for everyone. A lot of questions come up about pain. You know, will I, will I be feeling this forever? And again, everything's very individualized for people, but I give them my experience. And then sometimes questions come up about 
what are things like for you, you know, at home, out in society, things like that. Um, so a lot of times it's, it's based around the scarring itself and the pain or just getting back into their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're giving peer support while also giving the medical support mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. nurse. Would you say you there's any advantages or maybe additional challenges that you face since you are a burn survivor who's also caring for other burn yeah. survivors? I'd say there's both. Um, on the positives, being that person in the room, 100% understanding not only what the patient is going through in the bed, but the family members on the side of it is a huge positive because you can connect with them very quickly. You can know exactly what shoes that they are in and kind of jump back yourself into that and, and give them your own perspective, your own tips, and like truly do provide them with support of knowing and giving them the fact that they're not alone. Um, really understanding phenomenons and circumstances with the survivor, describing the pain that they're feeling. The second that I describe it to a T, they kind of look at me like, that's really bizarre. But like, yeah, you're right. And things like that. So just understanding and explaining the surgeries a little bit better. So I think everyone in healthcare probably does a really good job before you go to surgery explaining what's going to happen. But I think sometimes medical professionals have a really unfortunate way of just speaking on medical terms, not Mm -hmm. really explaining things um, more on a down-to-earth level. So kind of bringing that back and, you know, before someone's going to surgery, do you have any questions? Do you understand what's going on? And really explaining it from the nursing perspective of this is technically what's going to happen, but this is also how you're going to feel. This is how um, you might respond to it. And this is kind of what it looks like on something you might understand has been really helpful. Um, the cons, if you will, about potentially being a burn survivor in a burn unit is it, there's a lot of emotions that come up for you. Um, in my first year, again, because I was a childhood burn survivor, there was a lot of pieces of my story that I was missing and being on that front line of seeing the surgeries, seeing how things happen, um, having certain scars I didn't understand and then understanding how those came to be, certain things like that was very emotional for me. And it took a lot for me to successfully learn that for myself, process it, but also in the moment, put that aside to be able to care for someone else is very difficult. And I don't think everyone in that circumstance could be able to do that. And I also think sometimes having that separation of seeing a survivor or some type of tragedy that, you know, unfortunately not everyone will get to a point where they can leave the hospital or even survive. So being the person that as a nurse is working so hard, hanging every single medication, hanging your drips, titrating them accordingly, running your ventilator, you know, burns are critical. So being that ICU nurse, Plus, just trying to be connected and get them to that next day. And when it doesn't happen, that can it's hard for anyone. But being someone who's gone through it can also be more emotionally draining of sometimes you ask yourself, you know, why did my situation work so perfectly? Or why did this person work so perfectly and, and this one did not? Um, so mm-hmm. I think some of, some of the cons that I am facing as a burn survivor are just naturally what's going to be there for me to try and work through things personally, but also make sure my priority at the time is my patient and their family. Um, mm-hmm. And then nursing as a whole always has hardships for if you are in the ICU setting or, you know, just as a whole, there's always going to be stuff you're working with as a nurse. that's not ideal that you kind of have to get through. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you're called on by 
other team members if like in certain circumstances to potentially like ask for for your support or to understand more about the injury um because of your injury do you find that that yeah. happens um at my health center they do but it's also kind of been established that way because i've been willing to share and i i do see myself as an open book and from day one i've always said you know if there is a patient you're you're not sure how to explain something or would want to talk to someone who's a survivor um always pull me in if i'm around if i'm not crazy busy or something like i'm happy to help so i think that's definitely something that they've valued but it also respected from me and kind of the boundaries i i put out in the beginning mm -hmm. i think if there i'm sure there are potential survivors out there that might be going to nursing school or in the healthcare or want to give back in some way and it's just always about like if if you are willing for yourself to be put back in that situation because you really do have to go through a lot of processing and understanding of mm -hmm. who you are yourself before you can ever go back and be support for someone or um, feel like you can be open enough to be put in those shoes. So yes, mm -hmm. I do get called on a lot um, as a support person in our hospital um, or just random questions that they might have, but I, I've allowed that and I've welcomed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just want to add to, I mean, growing up, I always felt the need to give back to the burn community and I always thought that that meant I had to be in the medical field. I had to either be a nurse or a PT. That's I didn't love nursing. So I went the PT route initially when I went to college, but I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't really care about the human body. I just wasn't enjoying the classes. So I switched. And that was a really hard thing for me to do because I was like, I'm giving up this dream of helping other burn survivors that I thought for my entire life that that's what I was meant to do. But I just wanted to put this out there that if you are feeling that way, you know, there's other ways to give back to the burn community. Maybe it's, maybe you are called on to be a healthcare professional and that's great. And there are other ways to give back, whether you're volunteering or giving peer support or, Hey, come work at Phoenix society. Like I did, like there are, there are ways to give back even if maybe you are someone who thinks that medical field just isn't right for you. Yeah. And I'll also just add existing positively in society as a burn survivor is also enough. Like you going out every day, showing who you are representing the burn world as a burn survivor. If you wear your scars, that is enough. <laughs> so Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, and Brie, I know you are an advocate for burn survivors, especially when it comes to healthcare and the needs um, leaving the hospital. And I know recently you've been working with Phoenix Society on a special project for burn care professionals, and it's an educational training. So I'm going to let you, if you don't mind, kind of share a little bit more about what that training is and yeah, how, how it kind of came to be. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking about this. I'm very excited about it. So in my transition from graduating nursing school, starting my nursing career, getting back in a burn unit, this is kind of where all of this came to be. So um, I started being a nurse. Obviously, I had a lot to learn about how to be a nurse, let alone be a burn nurse. So I kind of took my time letting all that sink in, um, having my training. And then once I felt really good about that, kind of moving through my nursing career a little bit more, I was able to really focus on kind of more of that one-on-one -on -one time with my patients and having some of those conversations of um, what they're going through when they're in the bed and how I can support that. And while I was having one of those conversations, I just had kind of an epiphany. And I told myself, I was like, you know, I do not see every patient that we serve. 
I am not a nurse to everyone here because one, that's impossible. And two, we're a decent sized burn center. Like I don't work every day. I don't work every shift. You know, I, I like to sleep. <laughs> so, um, that kind of boiled down to, I am not having these conversations with every single person that comes in the hospital. These conversations are not happening to every burn survivor that has this injury. And those are the conversations of what, you know, how does this feel outside of the hospital? What am I getting ready to expect? You know, how do I jump back into work with my scars? Just whatever that is, you know, and I don't expect everyone to know how to answer that in a perfect world. No one would ever be burned. I wouldn't have a job. So I really started to think about how could these conversations happen for these survivors if they don't have a nurse that's a burn survivor, which nine times out of 10 is going to be the, um, the circumstance. So I really started to think about, you know, could there be some type of educational training for healthcare professionals, for whoever sees or comes in contact with a burn survivor while they get their care of explaining what it is a survivor goes through, how the process happens from point one in their physical trauma to get them through the emotional stages and the social stages of their life. And what are those resources that we can get them right at the bedside, right then and there that can get them more information or potentially explain stuff to them that if you as a nurse, a doctor, a care tech, whoever might not have the answers to. And that's kind of where this came from. Um, so this education is a psychosocial healthcare resource for, uh, burn staff in a hospital. Uh, we trialed this last fall at my hospital, Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis, where this education came together. It was mandatory for everyone on the burn center from administrative staff to nurses, therapists, all the way up to our medical directors, to our residents. And it was an hour long education that explained different concepts of this is um, the process a burn survivor goes through on the physical side, emotional side, and social side. This is what they might be dealing with while they are inpatient versus outpatient when they come back to clinic. Um, these are some questions they might ask you if you don't know how to answer. These are some resources specifically from really great websites, and a lot of them came from Phoenix with everything you guys have developed over the years. Every introduced the SOAR program, so plugging survivors in to survivors who can meet them one-on-one -on -one in the hospital or family members. It just kind of brought everything together that for whatever reason, if some type of question came up, everyone on our team would be prepared to either answer the question or get them a resource that would provide them with more information. And overall, it also just helped them understand what a burn survivor goes through in their journey and how to connect with them on more of the psychosocial types of things rather than just let's fix it with a medication or, you know, let's get them back to surgery. It's like, no, let's, let's talk about these concepts and help them get through it. So what's that goal of that training? So I know you said you tested it in the fall. What's the next step for it? Yeah, so um, we uh, it went very well. Uh, one of my favorite facts to share is um, in this training that we did, we had people on our unit who just started with less than a year experience all the way up to over 20 years of experience in this same hospital, P burn professionals who have been doing this for many, many years. And 73% of them reported that this was the first ever um official psychosocial education that they had ever received about burn care. So that's huge. It really showed that this education was needed, that it's um, one of its 
one of its own. It's it's original, and that um, you know more people could potentially benefit from it outside of Eskenazi. So currently mm-hmm. with Phoenix, we are working on trialing it with about two to three more hospitals um, this year, seeing um, fine tuning the education, uh, making sure the concepts are pretty solid. That's within the education, seeing how other hospitals respond to it with it being a hospital that I don't work at with them not being familiar with who I am and some of those things. So we're currently trialing it at a couple other hospitals. And then hopefully by the end of next year, it will be fully available for any hospital in the U.S. and abroad to implement as education in their own center. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And if somebody wants to get in touch with with uh, you or the about the program, we always invite them to, to email Phoenix Society. So mm-hmm. we'll put that information in our show notes as well. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I love, I got to see some of the training, um, behind the scenes and I, it is so true when, you know, I know the nurses and the care teams, especially when you're in the hospital, you're focused on that physical healing, but once you go home from the hospital, the real journey starts. So when the healthcare teams and the nurses and the doctors can, you know, have these tools to help introduce you know, that emotional and mental healing to survivors early on, it, it can change the world for that survivor's journey. So Brie, we, we thank you for all the time and dedication you're spending on that training. It's going to be mm-hmm. so valuable to the burn care community. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from it is just being able to know what, no matter where you are as a burn center, verified, non-verified, if you have eight beds, if you have 32 beds, it's just about meeting that survivor where they are and giving them the support and resources that will meet them. Not everyone's journey is the same. Some people will be willing to talk about what's going on in their life from day one. Some people might not ever be willing to open up. And the great thing is there's resources for every single one of those people. And even if they don't want it, then getting it in their hands, letting them take it home. And maybe if they ponder it, maybe six months to a year later, they're like, you know, I remember them talking to me about something and I, and now's mm-hmm. the time I want to, I want to dig into that. That's when it matters. It's just getting them the resources while they're in the hospital. So when they are, whenever they're going through some of this stuff, they have, they have it, or they are at least exposed to it at some point to get them in touch with who they need to be. That's the mm-hmm. biggest point of it as well. Definitely, definitely. And I love too that you had, you know, the admin staff up to the doctors all take the training because mm-hmm. you never know a survivor could be walking out and just being like, oh, wait, I did want to ask this quick question. Who can I talk to? And there's someone right there and they ask away. So yeah, I'm so excited for that training. More is coming soon. Um, yeah. So if you are interested, send us an email, get connected with Phoenix Society. So you are up to date on when that training is released. Um so as we kind of also begin to wrap up today's podcast, the time is just flying by. Um, Brie, I'd love to know what what's your favorite part about your job? You know, that's a hard question. I don't even know if I've been asked that before. <laughs> um, burn nursing is so special. I truly don't think there's anything out there that can compare to it in healthcare. So as a nurse, especially on the hospital where I'm at, you are a nurse, you are an ICU nurse, you are a PACU recovery nurse, we have our own OR where we recover all of our patients, you are a wound care nurse, and you do all your own dressings, um, you are sometimes 
you know, um, a resource nurse running around just helping where you can be. There's there's so many disciplines of nursing wrapped into one job. Um, we're also a dialysis nurse. We run around dialysis. So if you're someone who really enjoys skills, working with your hands, um, being busy. And sometimes it's not always busy. You know, in the burn world, it's feast or famine. Sometimes it seems like everyone has an accident. Other times that you're in a lull. Um, we also treat frostbite. There's some other things out there. Um, Steven Johnson syndrome, things that are very skin specific. That's not necessarily a burn that a burn center will also treat and take care of because we are kind of the skin dressing wound care specialist. So there is so much that happens from a nursing perspective that um, I really enjoy having my brain kind of go through each individual disease process, learning about it, being able to build from it. And every single day I learn something new. I can never say, or even think that in my career, even 20 years down the line, that I'm going to be able to know absolutely everything. It is such a uh, constant building and learning experience. And you know, this, this job, I'm not gonna lie, it's hard. As you just heard, there's a lot that gets put on you as a nurse, especially in a burn center. But emotionally, um, treating these patients, getting them out the door, um, it's it's hard. There's a lot of days that you just feel drained and you don't sit down for the 12 hours. But knowing that you are one of those people that's going to get this person through the worst experience of their life and out the door is really rewarding. And on our unit, you know, we have our inpatient center where you see people from day one. And then we also have our outpatient clinic, like a lot of burn centers have. So you not only get to see them through the worst of times, but you get to see these patients come back and you get to see the journey after. And that's what's really rewarding is when you have that patient come back and you you see them get to where you always knew they could be and they're successful and going about their journey again. And that's really rewarding. Yeah, I know some of my like favorite nurses were the ones that right like just continued to like cheer me on throughout throughout the entire journey. But I know I like the nurses are what kind of make your experience right. You see the doctors like here and there, but um, the nurses are what's taking care of you around the clock. And being in like the COVID you know era of a burn injury, um, it was really scary for me to not have like family around. And so those nurses and the, in the staff that were there, like kind of became like your family supporting you throughout that journey when like, I couldn't always have my husband there or whatnot. So, um, I nurses, yes, have gone a long way. It looks like we have some folks coming in to thank all of their nurses. And yes, I would not be here without my nurses and I could tell you their names even many years out. So, um, it is, it is definitely, um, a great experience to have a, a nurse um, that just truly cares about their work. Um, with that said, Bri, um, what do you wish um, all nurses? I know last week I was at a retreat for burn survivors and one of the nurses there said like, what do you wish nurses would know about burn survivors? And I think being a burn nurse, um, what do you wish like other nurses knew um, that maybe like they don't because of their, their experience and because they haven't been burned? Um, or what advice would you give to somebody who's brand new in, in burn care? Um, as far as giving advice to someone who's brand new in burn care, I always say that truly do give yourself grace, especially if you are a new grad and, you, and you're tired into a burn center like I was. 
you're not only trying to learn how to be a nurse, but you're learning all of those crazy things I talked about. Um, it's a lot for, for any nurse to learn one of those roles, let alone all 10, however many hats you have of them. So just to continue to give yourself grace. And even if you're a nurse just starting on a burn unit, if you have that experience, always know that burn care, again, is just so specialized. You're probably going to be learning things that don't necessarily feel like it might be right. Um, it might be very different from what you've known before, but have the patience, have the grace to learn it because it truly is worth it to be able to stay in that area on that unit for a long time and to grow in different aspects from just, you know, being the nurse at the bedside to if you choose to start participating in different um, rounding or different meetings that you might have wherever you feel like your, your niche is. Um, there's a lot of opportunities in a burn center to find it. And then as far as the question of what advice do, do I give nurses of, you know, what a survivor might be going through, you just, you don't know. So sometimes I think as burn nurses, we see case by case by case that, you know, um, you know, they, they might be having this pain and we, we're going to treat it with this, this, and this medicine, or, you know, they should be having some itching sensations at this time. So this is what they should be doing, or this is how we're going to treat it. Or, you know, this, this is should what be happening. I think sometimes we need to take that should out of the conversation, especially mm -hmm. if you are a potential nurse that's never had an injury like this, or, you know, has, has never been in the hospital or a family member in the hospital. Everyone is so different from their experience. Please truly do listen to your patient. Mm -hmm. um, ask the right questions. Try and just advocate them in the best way you can because some things aren't our A, B, and Z with our uh, parameters and our certain policies we have in the hospital. And just work through it. Um, and I'm sure many nurses already know that and already do that. Um, but I think in a burn center, sometimes it's, I even do it and I'm a survivor where sometimes I just get so into my routine or so, I don't want to say burnout, but sometimes you get close to that where it's like, you know, I just need to get through my shift and get home. But it's like, no, take a second, give yourself grace, give the patient grace, have patience and actually understand what's going on and what can be the best course for them rather than the generalized course that we do a lot of the times. Yeah, and I mentioned this a lot to the nurse that asked this question um, just last week. And I said, I think it's really difficult sometimes to know, like, um, we deal with a lot of trauma with our injury. And um, I know that time for me was really scary. And like being in the hospital at any point is really scary for me. Um, so like, for me, communication is really important, right? To And then to earn my trust. So I know there were the nurses that... Um, would come in and not say anything. Right. I've had both bad nurses and both good nurses and the good nurses were the ones that like, not only kind of just, um, came in and did their job, but they came in and they spent time getting to know me or spent time just at least with me for a few moments before they went and did whatever they had to do. Um, and prepared me in that way, because for me, like approaching it in a way that, um, felt less traumatic, right. If you are yeah. there to support me and help me versus coming in and, just doing your job. Right. And I know, like you mentioned, it, it's a tough job, but at the same time, I think it's really important that nurses come in and 
um, are more approachable um, in terms of um, because what you're about to do can be really scary and sometimes, right? Yeah. Like whether it's a dressing and, change or, or what. And it's your life, right? You're the one in the hospital bed. So I think the biggest thing that's affected my nursing career is in college. And I'm sure a lot of people know this or have heard of it, but time after time, the nursing profession has been voted by the general public multiple times as the number one most trusted profession in America. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? It means if you come into a room and you say, hi, I'm Bram, your nurse today, automatically you are given trust. You mm -hmm. are given, okay, whatever she says goes, you're given that, that right to be in that patient room and enter their life. And sometimes any other circumstance would be very, very vulnerable and almost not accepted. So it's like, to be a nurse, given that automatic trust, it's like respect that and honor that to who you're right. serving. Yeah. And unfortunately for me, I've had that other end of the experience where it yeah. wasn't positive. So for me, you coming in and telling me that doesn't mean anything to me, right? <laughs> like I want to know, <laughs> I want to yeah. know like what you're going to do and what, and so I think for me, I've had to set those boundaries as a survivor to say like, Hey, I'm very fearful of whatever it, it is. Um, so I need you to explain this to me before I know. And, and um, I think that's really important if to like never know what situation you're walking into, right? For, because somebody may have had a bad experience in the past and um, that makes me like that much more heightened of like nerves when, when I do go into those situations. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Awesome. Well, Bree, thank you so much for joining us today for National Nurses Week. We do have two more questions before we wrap up for you, but I do just want to give another shout out to all of the nurses, all of the burn care professionals, the healthcare teams. We couldn't be, we wouldn't be here without you. Um, and we, we so appreciate you and we should celebrate you all the time, not just this one week, but especially this week, we want to just say thank you for all that you do. Absolutely. And if you have any um, nurses you want to shout out while we're still on today, I know we've gotten a couple in, feel free to, or leave a comment below um, shouting out or tagging your favorite nurse. Um, we, we would love to show them some love today for sure. Yes. Well, awesome. Oh, go ahead, yeah, Amber. So I'll let you Brie, go first. Brie, you always know you ask two questions um, um, of anyone that's a guest on the show. So um, the first, and I think this is really important, um, this first question, because I think it sounds like burn nurses do need a lot of self-care um, in addition to you have a tough job. Um, so what does that look like for you? I know, um, I think you said you just worked a night shift, right? So sleep is probably really good for you right now. I really uh, love sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what do you do for some self-care for yourself as well when you've had like a tough shift? Yeah, I think self-care is something, especially now in the past five years, that has really grown to be important. And it is important and should have always been important. But for me, um, as you guys have learned, the Todd twirling was a huge part of my life. So um, I do really enjoy having some piece of fitness in. I went my first year or so after college being finished with twirling, not really having something fitness related in my life. And I almost felt like a piece of me was missing. So I just recently gained that back. And that's a part of kind of a way that once or twice a week, I can go and just have my own time and really enjoy myself. And it gives me back that piece that I felt like I had for 20 some years of my life. So that's really important to me. And I'm such a foodie, like people, food is self care, get your ice cream, get your tacos, enjoy it. It's meant to be enjoyed. So for me, I really like having the time where I can go to my fitness class once a week and then go get my ice cream. Cause also I just worked <laughs> out. So therefore I can eat more calories. 
<laughs> yes, I love that. I feel that 100%. You go to the gym and then once you're done, you treat yourself with some yep. good food. So I love that. Um, and our last question today is um, whether or not, you know, if you do celebrate your birth anniversary, that's kind of part one. And if you do celebrate it, what are some ways maybe you've celebrated over the years? Yes, um, this was always very fun for me to kind of learn about growing up since I was a child, because on that day, I always felt something, right? You're, you're pulled in a certain way. Sometimes it can be positive emotions. Sometimes it can be negative. I've had burn anniversaries where I've, where I've had both experiences. Um, but growing up over time, I did learn to celebrate it. And so on that day, um, it's the one day a year I completely do things for myself, as I'm sure you guys have learned in this podcast. I do a lot for other people, and I'm really proud of that, and that's a part of how um, I feel connected to the world, and I do serve, and I don't ever really feel like I do too much. I enjoy doing it, but I do also realize that on that day, I really just want to have time for myself and celebrate me. So the past couple years, I've booked a massage. I've gone mm. to my favorite restaurant. Um, I have in the past turned off my phone because I think sometimes that can be a distractor for me and like always, always talk to my parents and some close friends. But after that, I just, I truly have a, a day separated from everything else and whatever I feel like doing that day, I'll do for me. And that's how I celebrate it. Yeah. That's how I celebrated this year. And it was nice to just kind of like shut off, go do a massage at the spa and like relax and just be sometimes it just needs to be quiet. Right. So that's uh, definitely a, a good way to celebrate. Well, <clears throat> we are wrapping up here, but any last final thoughts for anyone listening today, um, Brie, or anything you want to share about National Nurses Week? I just, everyone knows that nurses are the true backbone in the hospital system, but just know that if you're a family member who's currently in the hospital, if you're a survivor currently in the hospital, if you are on the other side of the hospital and you're at home, just know nurses are, are amazing. And I think most people know that, but if you haven't um, thanked your nurses in the past, there's a lot that they have done for you that you will probably never truly know. And, and that's how it's meant to be. It's not meant to have you understand every single nitty gritty detail, but they truly advocate their butts off to get you where yeah. you need to be. So they you can send a thank you, right? Whether it's through I we send Christmas cards every year to our nurses, um, or if you're just you know bringing a special like card to the hospital or whatnot, I'm sure they can make sure yeah. that it gets to your nursing staff. And obviously, this this week is all about nurses. I don't want to underappreciate the residents and the therapists and everyone else that I work with. Like we are truly a team. Uh, you don't get out of the hospital by just one person, but. <laughs> But I'm a nurse and this week is about nurses. So just, just know that <laughs> nurses are truly incredible, especially the ones working in a burn center. They wear many, many hats and they perform it extremely well. So if you ever do happen to find yourself in a burn center, you I, unfortunately are there. And I'm sorry that you're there. But at the same time, you're very lucky to be where you are because they know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Brie, for being with us today. And thank you all to have sent little thank you notes to anyone uh, listening today. And um, feel free to continue the conversation in our chat. But with that, um, we'll leave more information about Brie and all of the great things she's doing with Eskenazi in our show notes. Um, and Brie, we, we really appreciate it and wish you a happy 
uh, nurse this week. Thank you. Thank you for having me, allowing me to share my story and discuss some of the fun projects I'm working on. But I don't know if you've heard, I have some puppies back there. I'm going to go check mm -hmm. on. So, <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Barry. We appreciate it. Yep. Have a good week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.